Hey, what's going on? It's Big E, and it's another episode of SYP Rewind on the SYP Chain of Pots. Uh, this is going to go out on SYP Today and Speak Your Peace Podcast. Now, if you're a Speak Your Peace Podcast listener, thank you very much. We greatly appreciate it. And you have no idea what SYP Today is. SYP Today is pretty much a show where I would just talk sports and make picks and give predictions and do whatever for 30 minutes uh but then sports got canceled so that basically couldn't happen anymore um now i basically just go and rewatch sports and talk about it highlights what ifs it's actually really fun i actually really enjoy it and i think you guys would too and this one is a special collab crossover episode however you want to call it uh, it's going to go on SYP Today and Speak Your Peace podcast. It's an important event because we are talking about the 2010 Winter Olympics men's hockey gold medal game between Canada and the U.S. I think it's going to be great. I think you're going to love it. I like how well this pod is. I don't like the outcome, but that's how it is. Uh, and in case you missed it, I just, just finished up doing an SYP Rewind for the 2009 Stanley Cup Finals Game 7 between Pittsburgh and Detroit. And if you know, you know, I'm a Red Wings fan, so that was disappointing as well. So basically, it's just a doubleheader of disappointment is what this is. So, please listen. I think you'll love it. And also subscribe to SYP Today if you can as well for more rewinds. we got a lot of cool, fun rewinds coming up that I think you're going to love, and I think it's going to be great. Thank you very much for listening, and here is the pod. Hey, how's it going? It's Ian McNaughton, Big E here, ready for another episode of SYP Rewind. Uh, today, we're going to be talking about the 2010 Olympics gold medal men's hockey game between Canada and the U.S. of A. It's actually going to be a long podcast because i got a lot to talk about. Uh, I have taken quite a few notes for this game, ready to talk about this game. I rewatched the entire game from beginning to end, relived my ups from this game, my downs from this game, and I'm ready to share it with you, an audience that is captivated and ready to listen. All right, let's start with the lead up to this game. So, this game was at Canada Hockey Place or Rogers Arena in Vancouver. It was the first Olympics in Canada since 1988 where the 2010 Olympic Games. I can't believe it's over 10 years old now. Um, There was a bit of a hatred for these games before and when they were going on. Um, A lot of international journalists were noting about the lack of signage and just attention for the games. There wasn't much in Vancouver, and that's because there was a lot of protests there's a lot of people committing damages and just, you know, just upset. People are just upset about the Olympics being in Vancouver. There are a lot of people who are excited and happy, but there are also quite a few people who just didn't like the Olympics being here, the cost of it, what it did after the fact with it displacing homeless people. Um, you know, some of the, you know, prostitution and sex trafficking where you get at big events so you know there was a a i don't know if a small group of people but there was 
a bit of a notice of people not liking the games. Um, and just the lead up to this game, Canada had the most gold medals in these Olympics before the game. They had, I think, 24 medals, 34 medals. They had, they had the most medals of any country leading up to this game. Uh, the U.S. had, or Canada had the most gold medals. U.S. had the most medals. Just let me just confirm. Canada had the most golds. U.S. had the most medals. That was always a debate. It was like, would you rather have the most gold or the most medals? And I still think I'd rather have the most medals. I, I don't think it really, like, obviously you want gold. But then you have to really turn to a point system. It's like, okay, how much more is gold valuable than the bronze? Maybe you base it off the stock market, but that's different everywhere. I don't know. I just feel like you got medals, you get more athletes involved, you, you know, create a bigger platform. More people are, again, more people are involved. There's more attention. It's great for everybody if you get more medals. Um, Canada beat the U.S. 2-0 in the women's gold game three days before. So Canada was, I mean, Canada, Vancouver have been living off the high of the games the whole time. But coming into this hockey game, they were pretty stoked because Canada just beat the U.S. 2-0 the other day in the women's game. So it's like, okay, well, if we beat, you know, beat the American women, we're going to beat the American men. Uh, pre-game notes here. This is the rematch of the 2002 Winter Olympic men's gold medal game, Canada-U.S. Uh, the U.S. were undefeated, actually, coming into this game, giving up just six goals all tournament. And that was including a 5-3 group stage win over Canada and a 6-1 semifinal win over Finland. So the U.S. was rolling. The U.S. was absolutely in fuego, and pretty much nothing was going to slow them down. Canada beat Slovakia 3-2 in the semis, 7-3 over Russia in the quarters, and Germany 8-2 in the qualification playoffs. Canada was a good team in this tournament, but they had their moments of uncertainty, question mark, if uncertainty is the right word. Like, you knew this was a really good team, but it's just like, you know, 3-2 to Slovakia was closer than people wanted. They lost to the Americans, and I think they went to a shootout with the Swiss, if I'm not mistaken, like there were some eh, like little, little worried moments. I think for some, for you know, about Canada and how they were doing. The U.S. I think was the hotter team, but I think Canada overall was better. Um, myself personally, so I left Squamish. I was living in Squamish at the time to go to Lake Stevens in the states. Spend the, spend the time with my dad for the winter break because we got a two-week spring break for the Olympics. It was great. It was awesome. My mother hated it. My grandparents hated it. It was great. It was awesome. Uh, so we basically spent most of my brother and I spent most of, I believe, the Winter Olympics in the U.S. We came back for one event. We actually got to go to a Winter Olympics event. I don't know how we got tickets. I don't know if my mother just wanted him in a draw or something, but we got tickets to go to the 4 by 10 kilometer men's relay. I think it was 4 by 7.5. Anyways, we went to the Callahan, and we went to, if you don't know the area, the Callahan Valley is where all the cross-country skiing is, and it's basically, it's closer to Whistler, but it's pretty much between Squamish and Whistler, but it's closer to Whistler. And that's where all the ski jumping, the Nordic, basically all the Nordic events with the exception of the alpine skiing, which was done up at Whistler Mountain proper. But the Callahan was where the cross-country skiing was, and that's where we went to go see this event. And then 
after we saw this event, I can't remember if it was on like a Thursday or a Friday, we went back down to the States, spent the last weekend before school on that spring break with my father, and we watched Canada-US. So I was like one of the, you know, few people who got the experience, you know, with my classmates of watching this game in the US. But we were at home, you know, we weren't out at a bar or anything. I was only 10 at the time. And basically watched the game in the States, um, which is cool. You know, I was rooting for the States. I was hoping the U.S. would win. Um, I always have. I, I'm, you know, I don't know why I've always become more of an American fan, but I just like the American sports. I like rooting for the American hockey team. Never really done well in the Olympics with the exception of 19, you know, 1980. They get to the finals. They haven't won a gold since 1980. Um both in in this game, both the referees and one linesman were Canadian. The other linesman was Finnish. So basically, of the four guys calling this game, three of them were Canadian. I'm not saying the officiating was bad or brutal by any means, but little suspicious. And that was part of it. Why they were Canadian, um, and I say suspicious half-heartedly. Part of it why they were Canadian is because. This was a game primarily played by NHL players. It was on NHL ice. So, I, I not primarily. I think everybody was an NHL player. So, they pretty much were calling an NHL game, and the NHL refs were calling the NHL game. Um, you know, fair enough. That's, you know, that only makes sense. So, game notes here. About 10 minutes into the first period, refs blew the whistle early on a puck that was uncovered behind Luongo but not in the net it was like between a skate and a line and it was uncovered but the refs blew it it wasn't in the net it wasn't it wasn't the right call but it wasn't the wrong call because I don't know we need SYP official referee correspondent Scott in here but Pretty much, from what I remember, if you can't see the puck, you call the whistle. Like, if you don't, and it's like if you don't see a penalty, you don't call a penalty. If you don't see the puck, you have to call it off because you just can't see it. You don't know where it is. Could be, you know, under his pad, under whatever. If you don't see it, you don't see it. Um, what's disappointing about, not disappointing, it's just like, it's kind of like, ah, oh, shit, you know, we needed, a, you know, the U.S. needed a chance. That was going to be a chance, and they didn't get it. After the whistle is blown, Ryan Kessler, who was not a fan, you know, Ryan Kessler was not liked during this tournament. I guess he said some things about Canada. For being a Vancouver guy and everybody in the city has this jersey, and if you fucking don't say people have Ryan Kessler jerseys, when Kessler and the Sedin, like, when they had their peak here in Vancouver, everybody was wearing Kessler jerseys. Kessler comes in after the play, tries to jam it at, at his goalie. That's his goalie on his club team. Fucking, he's jabbing at the puck, trying to get it in. Um, Canadian fans don't like it. They didn't like Kessler this whole tournament, um, which is fine. I'll go over some other guys I don't like later on. Uh, but Canada gets the first goal, 12.50, uh, the first period, by Jonathan Tapes. Now, watching this game, this game was pretty even. It was pretty balanced up to this point, I, w- I would say. I would say it was pretty balanced. Uh, maybe the U.S. have the slight edge just in terms of play and 
momentum, I would say the U.S. had a, maybe a slight edge, if there was any edge. It was pretty balanced. Um, but they had a bad icing call. And it wasn't the linesman call. They just, they were basically between the blue line and center ice. If he's, you know, whoever iced the puck, I can't remember who it was, but if he just skated just a little bit further, it wouldn't have been an icing, but it was an icing. Right call. And then on the faceoff after that, Brian Rafalski has a bad turnover. Not a, not a nice turnover. And it's kind of interesting. Rafalski had two goals in a group stage against Canada. He played really well in that game. And the Rafalski turnover leads to an initial shot by Brad Richards that Ryan Miller saved, but Tave scores on the rebound. Puts Canada up one nothing. Tate is wearing number sixteen in this game because Joe Thornton is wearing nineteen. I don't know if this has any relevancy to it. I just thought that was a fun fact. Um, but Tate has Canada up one nothing. Just Miller couldn't react quick enough. He made the first save. Tate's got the rebound. Canada's ahead. So at the end of fir- at the end of the first period, Jack Johnson, LA Kings defender at the time. Gives Corey Perry a bit of a shove with Bear- Perry doing a nice job trying to sell it. Um, then Getzlaff comes to the defense of Perry in, in pretty much what is Anaheim and L.A. fumes raging into the Olympics. Uh, I have really no problem with Jack Johnson giving a shove to Corey Perry at the end of the period after the whistle. Clearly after the whistle if you watch it. I have no problem with this because Corey Perry is a piece of shit. You, you go Google Corey Perry asshole, and you can find all sorts of different articles, highlights, whatever, of Corey Perry just being a bitch. And I have no problem with Jack Johnson laying him out. Um, I think most Canadian fans would too if he wasn't playing for Can- like Because mo- here's the thing, most Vancouver fans, most Vancouver fans are chill with it, except for the fact that he plays for Canada in this one instance, so... That's a problem. Um, the first penalty of the second period. So we, you know, there's no call on Johnson. Fine. I, I'm glad with that. Uh, first penalty of the second period goes to Ryan Malone, who catches Perry with a high stick less than three minutes into the period. Yeah, it was a high stick. Yeah, he did catch him. Perry again trying to sell the call. I don't mind the penalty. I get it. I would want it called against us if it happened to the U.S. Um, you know, the call comes about 90 seconds after a mischecking call. You know, mischecking from behind call on Drew Doughty on Dustin Brown. A little king-on-king crime there. Um, you know, I, I, I'm a, I was a bit disappointed with the sequence of events because Brown trying... So basically, it's a breakout of Brown trying to chip the puck up forward and... Dowdy comes in and gives him a shove from behind, and then later on, Ryan Miller gives a high stick on, you know, not like, you know, lifts the stick and then catches him in the face, you know, sort of a cross, a high cross check is what it was. It's the right call, but I also would have liked to have seen the Dowdy call where he checks Brown from behind. I would have liked to have seen that call too. Um, I think that would have been fair, but in this case, it's the U.S. who takes the penalty. All right, fair enough. Moving on. So as the U.S. penalty expired, Eric Stahl takes a, a really stupid interference call. Not a bad call by the refs, just a dumb play. You just It's a dumb play, and it gives the U.S. their first power play. Um, kudos to the Americans for some excellent PK work on that 
original Malone penalty, but Stoll taking a penalty from his own, you know, from 80, 180 feet from his own net was just dumb. It, it, I just didn't see the reason why. Uh, Canada killed off the penalty, but then they missed another questionable checking from behind call by Chris Pronger on Zach Parise. Parise might have slipped as well, but it just looked like from the original angle, Pronger checked it from behind. Nevertheless, penalties didn't amount to anything. Nobody scored. It's just what happens. So, Canada gets the second goal of this game. 7-13 into the second. Corey Perry puts Canada ahead 2-0. So, piece of shit Corey Perry scores Canada's second goal of the game on a nice dish from Ryan Getzlaff. Like, Getzlaff tries to backhand it in. Uh, into the into the uh, middle, and it was knocked down by Ryan Whitney. But with Perry being the third man high coming into the play, he was there to put the rebound past Miller, who pretty much had no chance to react. The puck just basically stopped right in front of Miller, and Perry just scored. And Miller just had no; ch- he could not react fast enough. Um, no, nothing he could do about it. So, Canada's ahead two nothing. Play picks up in the middle of the second period. Uh, there's two separate scrums at each end in front of the net. Really fun action. You can tell these guys are just... They, they just want to win. Like they, they don't hate each other. I, I don't get the sense of that. They just are doing whatever it takes to win. And they don't like you know anybody touching their goalies. But the U.S. does get a goal. Ryan Kessler, 12-44, into the second period, cuts the deficit to one. So Patrick Kane comes in. As the crowd is chanting Miller, because Miller just gave up a goal, the crowd's chanting Miller. I'll talk. I want to talk about that later on. But Patrick Kane takes a shot from Luongo's left on the on the half wall. He's pretty much riding against the wall, and it deflects off Kessler's stick because Kane just throws it in front. Kessler just tips it. It goes underneath Luongo's right armpit between his arm and his body. Trickles through, goes into the net just before Lou tries to reach back and save it. So it was a you know fortunate bounce, nice tip, fortunate bounce, cuts the deficit to one. It's a two-one game heading into the third period. Canada was out shooting the U.S. 25-23 after two. That just shows you how close it was. The penalty minutes are even. Each team took two penalties, and the U.S. has a 20-18 face-off advantage over Canada so it's a really close game like it's really back and forth um I would say the second period was more back and forth than the first period but it it was just a fun game really exciting good hockey really good hockey this is what you expect when you get pros playing in the Olympics in a gold medal game really good hockey so third period starts Canada hits the post twice in the first two minutes of the period and Ryan Miller makes some fantastic saves later on to keep it a one goal game so Miller's there's one sequence where Miller stops Danny Heatley in the slot with Thornton right in front of him like screening him the rebound is stopped by Miller on Heatley Heatley gets the puck doesn't get past Miller Miller kicks out his pad excellent save and then he kicks a third one out for good measure as Ryan Miller is just, he's feeling himself. He's hot. He's in the moment. 
such a tremendous goalie at this time. Ryan Miller is basically keeping the U.S. in this game and this tournament, keeping them closest it'll be to the gold medal. So then Crosby misses on a, with about three minutes to go. Crosby misses on a breakaway, but the crowd is starting to get into it because they recognize how much time there is. There's three minutes. There's less than three minutes. We're getting closer to two minutes. Crowd starts cheering, recognizing that they're getting so much closer to the gold medal. They're, they're getting closer. The gold is right there. They just need to hold on for the last few minutes. But, major but here, a uh, big but. USA goal, Zach Parise, 1935. Basically 25 seconds left in the third period. Zach Parise ties it at two. So with the puck bouncing and a left base off dot, Patrick Kane, he has really good instincts in this game. And he has really good instincts as a hockey player. Patrick Kane, he just picks it up. He turns around and he fires it on goal. It bounces off Langenbrunner, Jamie Langenbrunner's skate off Luongo's pads, but he can't see it. He's looking around for it. Parise finds it and he puts it past Luongo. It's too late. It's now a tied game. Great sequence by Kane. Again, good instincts. Just turns around, fires, puts the puck on net. Good things happen. Did there. Parise found it before Luongo, and he scored. Excellent job. It's 2-2. We're now going to overtime. What a, what a game. Hell of a game. It's at this point that... I actually said before the Parise goal, I'm like, I don't think the U.S. is going to do it. I, I, I don't. I, I, I just don't know that it's going to happen. And then Parise scored, and I'm like, oh my god, this is, this is awesome. I'm starting to get hope. I'm starting to because the U.S. was just pushing and pushing at the end of the third. It's like I don't know. I don't, I don't think it's gonna happen. And then Parise scored, gives me newfound hope that I didn't really need. Um, but I got it. And so the shots were tied, 32-32, heading into overtime. The U.S. had the lead in faceoff, 31-21 or 31-29. Uh, there were no penalties in the third period, so it was just a clean solid period of hockey the u.s pushed and pushed and pushed and they finally tied the game however in overtime canada scores Sidney crosby 740 in overtime he gets the golden goal it's three to canada final so the signature give and go pass from again to crosby you all know it you've all seen it you all watched it, it Crosby downloaded again, again, low back in front to Crosby, and the rest is history. Crosby's got the golden gold. Canada's got the gold. Everyone in Vancouver and Canada is cheering. I was actually quite surprised at how many Americans were in attendance at this game, but nonetheless, Canada wins. Post game notes. One of my biggest takeaways from this game that I totally forgot about after watching it live. I don't know if I should blame Canadian fans or people of Vancouver, but I forgot just how classless these fan, the fans were. The Miller chance I found to be extremely disrespectful considering he was the best goalie in the tournament. He was, by a mile, he was the best guy in this tournament. And they were rooting for Luongo, who at this point in his career, at 2010, was not clutch. Um, you know, no Vesnas wouldn't have any in his career. Uh, he came off, came off the 2009 failure against the Chicago Blackhawks. 
Yeah, no cups. Yeah, he'd never been to a finals at this uh, up until this point, and they were chanting Miller. And I just like, what the fuck is wrong with you people? Like Ryan Miller, easily the best. Like he had like a nine. I, I don't know if I wrote it down about what his actual stats were, but Miller finishes this the the tournament with like a nine forty save percentage. And a 130 GAA. Like, Miller was much, much better than Luongo in this tournament. Much better. And you're, you know, chanting at him. And you're rooting for this guy who's just not clutch. Um, the type of, these type of fans, I don't know how to classify them. I need someone to help me with it. I don't know if it's Vancouver. I don't know if it's just Canada. I don't think I hate Canada fans, but I just... It's the Vancouver thing, I think, that bugs me. I, I need somebody... Somebody has to help me out with this and narrow it down for me. Um, another thing that's an interesting post-game note on here is four Canadians that played on the 2010 team that were on... We're on the 2002 team that won gold at Salt Lake City. That was Martin Berder, who started the tournament as the goalie, flamed out pretty much middle. The returning got replaced by Luongo, so he sat on the bench for the gold medal game. Scott Niedermeyer, Chris Pronger, and Jerome Aginla round out the four guys who played on that Canada team in 02. Well, there were two Americans from the 02 team at Salt Lake City that were on the 2010 team in Vancouver. That was Brian Verfalski. Again, he had two goals in a group stage game against Canada and Chris Drury, who actually, JR, Jeremy Rona, criticized Chris Drury for being on that team. Like, why is Drury on that team and not uh, TJ Oshie or Scott Gomez? Yeah, that's a, I don't know if that's a freezing cold take of Rona saying Scott Gomez should be on that team and not Chris Drury. Chris Drury actually... Um, had some pretty important goals if you go back and look. If you go look at his Wikipedia page, you will be stunned to learn that JR said that Drury shouldn't be on that team. Just a fun fact. I thought you guys would be would be uh, cool with that. And look at where JR is now. Not that I don't like him. I actually like JR. I think he's a smart, knowledgeable guy. And, and his book is a good read, by the way. You should go read his uh, autobiography. Um, what ifs from this game? Uh... I only have three. I don't really have many what-ifs to share with you. My first one is what if Parise doesn't score at the end of regulation. I'm sure there's some other what-ifs, but this is these are the three that really just come to mind. Parise, what if he doesn't score at the end of regulation? How do we think of this candidate team? How do we think of Crosby? Does it change the Crosby-Ovechkin narrative? Like, I Part of the reason the... America, like the Americans had some really good scoring opportunities, but part of it was just the defense of Canada in 2010. They had an outstanding defense. To give you an idea of who the you know demon that were on this Canada team, um, I because I think that's how we would look at this team if Parisi doesn't score and the Canada just wins two one. You know, you have Drew Doughty, Duncan Keith, Scott Niedermeyer, Chris Pronger, Brent Seabrook, Shea Weber, Dan Boyle. That's an that's an all I, I don't that's an all star cast of D men right there. Uh, let me repeat that. So 
in in what what's the order here? I don't know why the, what the order of all these guys are, but anyway, you have Dan Boyle, Drew Doughty, Duncan Keith, Scott Niedermeyer, Chris Pronger, Brent Seabrook, and Shea Weber. Those were your two, four, six, seven D guys for Team Canada. That's a pretty tough D pair or D core to have to go up against. Um, in terms of Crosby, because Crosby got the game-winning goal, I think that's... Is that the biggest thing that he holds on to is, you know, the like because I think that's his biggest moment of his career is that goal. And, and, and actually, if you get the chance, look at the medal ceremony afterwards and just how baby-faced he looks and how young he looks. It's He's actually kind of cute. Um, but I, I, I think you think of Sidney Crosby much different if he doesn't score that overtime winner. He didn't really have a great, you know, gold medal. He was fine. But he didn't get any points, so I don't know. Um, you know, I, I I think we think of Crosby definitely differently, and we might think of the Crosby Ovechkin narrative a little bit differently. Who knows? I think part of the reason why Crosby has the advantage, quote unquote, over Ovi is the international side, though. Like, because Ovi has never really come close to a gold in the Olympics. Um, you know, I, 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 and I don't know if that's because of Ovi or if that's because of team or whatnot, but, you know, Crosby has the advantage on the international side compared to Ovechkin. So, really, does the goal make a difference? Possibly, but there is still the, you know, the fact that Crosby has the gold and he has three cups compared to Ovi's one. So it's still tough for Ovi to make his argument then. Um, yeah. So next question, this kind of leads, the Parisian one kind of leads into this one. of What if Crosby doesn't score the golden goal? Again, how do we view Crosby differently? Does it change the Crosby-Ovi narrative? Um, probably. I mean, we probably, I don't know necessarily if we think of Crosby as highly as much as we do somebody else, because, again, Crosby has the gold, Ovi doesn't have any, Crosby has three cups, Ovi has one. There's still, you know, the numbers to show that Crosby over Ovechkin. Um, however, if you look at other ideal candidates for Canada, to score this goal. If you watch the overtime and who's on the ice, you get a lot of Crosby, Aginla, Taze, Corey Perry, Corey Perry, Rick Nash. Uh, my ideal candidates, if it wasn't Corey Perry, or if it wasn't Crosby, excuse me, if it wasn't Sidney Crosby scoring the gold, the gold medal winning goal, I think Jerome Aginla would have been a great candidate to score that goal because Aginla is pretty much Canada. It would have been great to see somebody in 2002 still score in 2010. Um, Jonathan Taze, I think, would have been a great candidate. Jonathan Taze is like cross. I don't even want to say he's Crosby like because he's a, an uber talented player himself, but he's kind of been overshadowed by Crosby. I think there was talk. I could be wrong, but I think there was talk for a while there 
of like either Crosby or Taves. Um, if Taves gets the goal, you know, the goal, I think people think of him a lot differently because he has three cups. He has a gold medal, two gold medals, actually. So, yeah. Um, you know, Taze would have been a good candidate. Chris Pronger, I think, would have been a good candidate. He he was really good throughout the 2000s. He was on the 2002 team. He, he's clearly not as fast or mobile as he was in 2002, but he's still an extre- extremely good hockey player. So he would have been a nice candidate. Um I think part of the issue is when you get into guys like Corey Perry, because Corey Perry is an asshole. He plays on a non-traditional market. I don't know how much Canadian fans would have wanted to resonate with Corey Perry scoring the game-winning goal. Rick Nash, kind of the same thing. He plays on a non-traditional, like, he, you know, he doesn't play for a big market. Um, he's not a, Rick Nash, How he's obviously he's a good player, but I wouldn't, put him in the elite class I would think as Crosby or Taves and you know you've been also on the ice quite a bit with Dan Boyle and Dan Boyle Dan Boyle's not a name that really stands out no offense to Dan Boyle I'm sure he's a really nice guy but you know when you think of elite Canadian defensemen you think of the you know Prongers and Niedermeyers um Niedermeyer again another good candidate I think to score this goal but Dan Boyle, not really. Again, plays in San Jose. I I just don't know if it would have worked out. Um, you know, as it would have got. I don't know if it would have got as much attention as the Crosby, you know, scoring the goal would have. Uh, finally, this is really my last one that I can really think of. Uh, if the Americans wear their nineteen eighty Miracle on Ice jerseys and not their modern blue ones do they win this game and the correct answer is yes the only answer is yes the americans won their miracle on wore their miracle on ice jerseys in the group stage game i think the reason they didn't this time was because canada was technically the home team and they wanted to wear the white jerseys even though i think the red look better question mark if you look at the specific design for 2010 i think the red was better question mark i wish they would have had a black one did they have they might have actually had a black one i can't remember anyways um, no, if the Americans wear their 1980 Miracle on Ice jerseys, they are, uh, they're winning that game. But because Canada was the home team, I think they chose white. So that's why the, uh, yeah, that's why the U.S. had to wear their modern blue ones. And even if you look at the even more newer ones, like more modern ones, the newer ones, where... It's blue, but then it goes like blue and white, like near the wrist, like at the bottom of the jersey. It's like whoever made this jersey didn't finish it because it needs to have more blue. Like it can't be blue and white down by like the gloves. It needs to be blue or white. So I don't like the new USA jersey. I the US here's the thing. When you come up with a timely classic, like or you know when you come up with a beautiful jersey like the miracle on ice jerseys are the miracle on ice jerseys are the one of the most beautiful uniforms in hockey you you'd be hard pressed to find a more picturesque uniform don't fuck with it don't mess with it don't change your like the us the usa through like the 90s and 2000s had that 
odd logo that I don't really feel comfortable with now. And in jerseys that I just didn't like, like the blue and red ones with like red trim around, like I didn't get that. I, you wear the Miracle on Ice, that is your jersey. That is what people remember you for, and you wear that jersey. I, I, you don't fuck with your jerseys if you're USA. Um, Canada, I get it. I get it a bit. I, the Canada logo, I think, is kind of basic. Although the Canada 2016 World Cup hockey jerseys, I thought were very bland and were very boring. They kind of all were. But Canada changes it up, I guess, enough that it's, you know, it's fine. They've never really had one great jersey, question mark. Like, I can't think of a really, like, the 2010 ones were nice. I just can't think of a really memorable Canada jersey. Maybe it's the 2010 one. But when you think of USA hockey, you think of Miracle on Ice, and you wear that fucking jersey. Uh, and if you wear it, you win the gold medal. Interesting enough, the U.S. hasn't won, a, wasn't, hasn't won an Olympic men's gold medal in hockey since 1980. I don't know if they've worn the Miracle on Ice jersey in the finals since then, and maybe that has something to do with it. But that was also back in 1980. That was a round-robin format. So when they beat the Soviets, they didn't actually win the gold. They still had to beat Finland. Fun fact, in case you didn't know. Uh, yeah, that's about it. That was the 2010 uh, Olympics men's gold medal hockey game between Canada and the U.S. Uh, I am still routinely in, mentioned in, about how this game was you know, just a horror show for me. It, the worst part, here's the thing. If you're a sports fan, the worst is when you don't have much hope. But then your hope skyrockets and then you plummet back down even further than where you were originally at. That's what really sucks. Um, I'll, I guess I'll do a Super Bowl 49 episode and I'll talk about that like I, I have tears just thinking about that one but it's really this this one was really disappointing because I thought we were going to win this game I thought the U.S. Ryan Miller was just carrying this team eventually the MVP of the tournament I thought the U.S. was going to win this I thought the U.S. was going to be Canada on their home ice and I thought it was going to be beautiful and it turned out to actually just be a disaster and a nightmare in seven minutes and 40 seconds later However, that's how it all goes. That That's showbiz, baby. That's showbiz. I don't know who says that, but I'm stealing that. That's showbiz. Um, all right. That's SYP Rewind. Thank you very much for listening. And again, if you aren't already doing so, check out SYP Today Rewind, where you'll hear other episodes like this. Please subscribe. You can get it on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts. Please check it out. That would be awesome thank you again for all your support we really appreciate it i hope you enjoy this episode and we'll have more coming out in the future we'll also have more syp pods coming out it's don't worry we're creating content during this quarantine self-isolation don't worry we got you covered thank you very much enjoy the rest of your day night whenever you listen adios peace 